0: Hey, we're really glad all of you are worshiping with us. If you're joining us online or you're here in person, man, we really are glad that all of you are here. I'm Charlie, uh, the lead pastor here, and really glad you're here. And we got some extended families here today. we got baby dedications coming up here in a little bit. Really glad that you guys are visiting with us. We are finishing up a series on the commands of Jesus we've been doing over the last several weeks. And so we're kind of trying to bring this to a close. And so I was thinking about this because I'm... I'm <sighs> You know, whether or not it's a book series, uh, movie series, like uh, TV series, I, I'm kind of one of these people. Who's like if it's really popular and weird and cool, I probably am, am into it. Like, kind of got the your, your, all all of the basic kind of nerd tendencies as far as really being into stuff. And so I really like I really like these you know these series and things like that. And one of the things that's really impressive to me about some of them is the way like you've been it's been you know several movies or several books or several seasons of a TV show, and like it's kind of building towards something. And then at the very end, the last episode, the last movie, the last book or whatever, there's this moment where it's like, what, That? what, what, what? And, and, and I love it, and, and then it, cause what it does, like you can tell, they've been kind of crafting this big picture story all along, even if you didn't see it. And the way that I am, because just the way my brain works, like immediately I'll finish it and I'll be like, wait a second. If that's true, if that's really, then then you should have, we should have been able to see this the whole time. So then I'll immediately go back and reread or rewatch or whatever. I mean, Harry Harry Potter was this way. He was like, wait, what? And then you go back and you read and you're like, well, well, she's just, she's just, she's an incredibly talented person to be able to have several years ago, just put these little things in there that just kind of make it clear all along because we're always building towards this. This was a very popular show with an unpopular ending. I don't know how I many of you remember the show Lost. And like, a lot of people were very disappointed in the ending. And I remember feeling in that moment, it's like, okay, you just, you just you, you didn't really have an ending in mind. You just kind of made this up and it's kind of what, whatever. And so I started, because we owned it on DVD, of course. This was a long time ago, guys. Don't judge me. Um, so I went back and watched the first season and I was like, wow. From the very first episode, they, they obviously did have this in mind. You, you, see, you see it all along. And to me, that, that's really impressive. I've been doing this a little bit. My nine-year-old Layla, uh, she's been into reading a lot of mythology books lately. And then she's recently been reading some stuff in Norse theology. And she's like, Dad, I want to watch those Thor movies. Now, as someone who has been into all these Marvel movies from the beginning, it's like you don't just jump in and say, "I'm just going to watch the Thor." Movie. There's a particular order you need to watch this. But at the same time, I'm trying to accommodate. and I'm like, and she's nine, and she does. so anyways. So we started watching them in, in, in an order that felt authentic to me, but also meeting her desire really to only interact with Thor. And and then what happened is the more she watched it, the more she just kind of got into all of it. And it's really cool. I mean, you're talking about 20 plus movies. Over the course of a decade, almost a decade and a half, this story that they're weaving. Now, I bring all that up not to say that we have crafted some amazing uh, sermon series, and, you're, and you're, your mind is about to be blown by how we. This is not about anything that we've crafted, but this is about what Jesus has been doing all along. As 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 we see this story, as we see Jesus gathering these disciples and teaching. We're about to look at this last thing that Jesus said. And what I believe is about to happen for us is it's, it's all just gonna, it should just kind of all click into place because Jesus has been pointing us and slowly moving us this direction the whole time. And if we remember, for those of you guys who were here, for those who weren't, we'll just kind of catch you up. We started, uh, we'll, just, we'll just start chronologically with Jesus. So Jesus had this very first command and he looks at these people that he's kind of gotten to know and he's kind of heard him teach. And basically, gives him a very simple command. His very first command follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Stop what you're doing. Allow me to be your mentor, your leader, your guide. You're the one, your, your rabbi, your teacher, in our language, your pastor. You know, your, let me teach you and guide you, and, and watch what I will do in helping you become this person who can make a huge difference in the lives of people. And so, it was simply, the initial command was a relational one. Be in this relationship with me and watch what I will do. And so they start following him. And and you see this in different places in the Gospels. It seems like this is a question that Jesus got asked a lot. And we have some of those accounts. But my guess is it happened a lot where people would come up to him and be like, Hey, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And no matter who asked it and in what context, he always gave the same answer. Actually, there are two. The most most important things that you can do is to love God with everything that you are and to love other people the way that you love yourself. These are the greatest commandments. He says everything falls from these two. And so they're following Jesus around and they learn a little bit. These are some of the things we've talked about over the last few weeks. Hey, you want to really love your neighbor well? Neighbor doesn't mean necessarily what you think it means. This doesn't mean the people that you're friends with. It actually means you need to love your enemies, the people that are actively trying to harm you. Hey, and, and, and in addition to that, you really shouldn't judge people either. You should recognize that what you have is from God's grace, and you're not gonna put your standards on someone else, and we should treat people with more empathy and less judgment. And, and, and then he, he, again, he's continuing to talk. You know, I want you to love God but I also want you to experience God's love. And so you should ask, and if you ask, he'll give it to you. If you seek, he'll find. If you knock, God will open doors for you. And he's just kind of drawing this in to help them understand the love of God. And then ultimately, at one point, he says along the way, he's like, hey, you need to make sure you make this connection. That in order to show your love to me, the one who has my commandments, who, who understands what I've taught and obeys them, that's the one that loves me. And the love of God and my love and revelation, it comes from this. And so he's weaving how obedience and love come together and how we can experience this love of God and how we can truly have a deeper, more real love for the people around us. Again, not just our friends, but our enemies. And he's been kind of painting this picture for them. And ultimately, they are they are, they are beginning to put together an idea of what it really means. What is this new understanding of how one can have and pursue a relationship with God and have a great relationship with other people. They're beginning to understand this when the unthinkable happens, at least from their perspective. He, he is arrested, tortured, and executed. I mean, Jesus tried to tell them this was going to happen. Say, like, hey, listen, they're gonna, this is going to happen to me. They're going to arrest me. I'm going to be killed, but don't worry. On three days, I'm going to come back. But they couldn't, they couldn't process that, that this person from God who was, who was so incredible to them that this would ever happen to him. It didn't make any sense. So they just kind of rejected it. And then when it happened, they were devastated and essentially kind of scattered and hid for a while. But then exactly what Jesus said would happen, happened. On the third day, he comes back to life. And I, and I don't know what, I, I mean, I, I, I always trying to think, I was trying to put myself in their shoes to try to imagine what that must have been like. To have been following this guy for three years and your love and your admiration and appreciation for who he is just grows and and what you can sense that God is doing in your life just through your interaction with him, it's overwhelming and then suddenly for him to be gone. And then maybe at some point, maybe you remember. Maybe you remember, oh, he said this was going to happen. And then by the time you put that together, the third day comes and he's back. So you've got this huge admiration for this guy. And then you realize, well, not only has he taught us all of these things, but he predicted his own death and resurrection and then did it exactly the way he predicted. So if your appreciation and admiration and your trust and your desire to follow him is even like at a really high level, once you predict your own death and resurrection... Even your mild skeptic, even you got a little like no, no more. Like this dude was just dead, dead, and now he's back to life. So whatever it is he has, you, I think we're all listening at this point. You're walking this through, and I think this is the emotion that we're supposed to have in this moment. This is someone we have been following for a while, who has died this horrible death. But then just as he said, he has come back to life. And now he's saying to his followers, hey, I've got one more thing that I want to tell you. Let's get together one more time because after this, I'm heading out for good. Because we mentioned this at the very very beginning of the series when Jesus says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That for them, that was a very literal thing. Following Jesus was was simple. Not easy, but it was simple. Because it was literal. Jesus is here and I follow him. And then he goes over here and and then I follow him. I go where he goes. I listen to what he's saying. They have no idea what it means to follow Jesus if Jesus isn't here. It's not something that we think about because that's been our experience the whole time. We only have followed Jesus without his physical presence. But this is a transition for them. So Jesus has kind of demonstrated... On a completely different level, his power and his connection to God, his presence, his place in the kingdom and and who he is has been elevated in everyone's mind. And he says, I want you to come together with me one more time because I'm going to tell you what you need to be about, what you need to be doing while I'm not here. So I, 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 set th- I paint this picture and I set this up for you because I don't think that we can understate the importance and the power of this moment and this particular command that Jesus gives to his followers. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. <clears throat> then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So, what we have here in this passage in Matthew 28 the command that Jesus has, this kind of this last, this commission that he has given them, this. This, this handing of the passing of the torch, the passing of the baton, the command is sandwiched right there in the middle. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded. And in between that, okay, that's in the middle. And on the outside of that, I believe we have a couple of things where Jesus kind, to, kind of give a little power to that and, and explanation kind of for the, for, the, for the what and the why of that. And so we've got the command sandwich in the middle. So what we're going to do is we're going to kind of take the command first and kind of analyze what it is that Jesus is asking of us and then kind of look at these things that he says before and after to kind of motivate us and to help us understand exactly why we need to be doing this. And so if you look at this, so it says, Go make disciples of all nations. And one of the descriptors that he says in verse 20, Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. This is really a throwback to some of these other verses and ideas that we've seen. Jesus says, the one who has my commandments and keeps them, that's the one that loves me. And so this whole journey in this series has been, we need to find and understand what are these commands? If if having them and keeping them, that's what we're supposed to be about. And now here at the very end, he's saying, now I want you to make sure that other people... Know these commandments and have the ability to keep them. I want you to be the teacher. So ultimately, what he's saying here is that our mission—the mission that he has given them, and now has been given to us—our mission is to help more people know and experience Jesus. This is our mission, and so he, the way the, the the command there, make disciples, is what he says. You want you to make disciples. And if you've been around for a while, you understand that what's important to me is that if we have these phrases that kind of have like a church feel to them, that, we, that I make sure I explain it, make sure we understand what that means. What do we mean when we say make disciples? Really what it means is like someone who doesn't know Jesus can know them. And someone who does know Jesus can know them better. You want to help people do that. But at the same time, I want to explain that, make sure we have a good definition. I don't want us to be afraid of that term because it's a great one. This is what he has called us to, to make disciples, to help people know Jesus and to grow in their knowledge and their understanding and their experience of that. And so what you have here then in the book of Acts is an account. In the book of Acts, you have an account of exactly what they did next. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out there and I want you to make disciples. I want you to do this of all nations. This is what I want you to do. And In the book of Acts, we have this incredible history, this story of them being exactly faithful to this. To just a few dozen people who heard Jesus give this command, we see it expand to thousands almost overnight. And then tens of thousands. And then it begins to spread, not just in Jerusalem, but to... The, all of Israel and then the surrounding, surrounding nations. And ultimately, it's kind of this entire region, the known world to them, really. We see it expand. And we see just this record of their faithfulness to this to make sure that other people know who Jesus is And understand the things that he has commanded so that they can have the love of God and experience that and grow in this deeper understanding of their love and affection for God and their love for other people this is spreading everywhere and what has happened in the 2,000 years since then we see what the what these initial disciples did but generation after generation of people have been faithful to this idea well now it's my turn now it's my turn And 2,000 years and thousands of miles away, a different culture, different understandings of things, different beliefs about the way the world works, different languages, different culture. Everything about our experience of life is incredibly different. But yet here we all are on the shoulders, standing on the shoulders of generations of people And their faithfulness to this command to make sure that we also got the opportunity to know and understand who this Jesus is. And and now it's our turn. It is our turn to take what God has given us. It is now our time to take this, this experience that I've had of understanding the forgiveness that I can have through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, by putting my faith and trust in Him. I can have life with God forever. I can have forgiveness. I can have new life. My heart can be made new. I, I, I have this, and, 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 and now I'm overcoming all of these fears and obstacles and sin in my life. He's, he's healing relationships. He's doing all of these things. And now it's my turn. Now it's my turn to take that that He has given me and, and, to, and to give it away. And so what Jesus is saying to them when he says, hey, I want you to to go do this. I want you to teach them. I want you to take what I've given to you and give it away. Essentially for three years, what Jesus did with them was teach them what was true and model how to live it. And now he looks at his disciples and say, I want you to go do that. I want you to teach people the truth about me and about God, about the gospel, about my death, my resurrection, about the way to live, about the way to understand God, about who he is, about, about, about the, the, the supremacy of loving God and loving people. I want you to take all of this and I want you to teach him. And I want you to not only do that, I want you to model it, I want you to show. This is your mission. And again, 2,000 years and the other side of the world away, generations of people have been faithful to this. And now it's our turn. Now, if I say to you, I'm sitting here just kind of telling you, trying to make a powerful case for why this commission, this mission that God has given these early followers of Jesus, why it is of incredible importance, and trying to convince you not only is it of incredible importance to them, but now it is our mission as well. I understand I've, I've taught this passage and talked to people about it for years and years and years. And I've interacted with people in small groups, large groups, one-on-one. I've talked to a lot of different people. And there are some very normal kind of common objections that people have. I mean, we can be all inspirational and be like, man, and this is what God has called us to and you can do it. And you'll be like, yeah, okay, sure. And you're going to walk out of here and just kind of keep doing the things you've always been doing. Because there's kind of some natural objections, I think, that we have that kind of make us feel like we can distance ourselves from this a little bit. That maybe somehow this only applies to some people, it applied to them, it only applies to missionaries, pastors, those kinds of people, but it's it's really not for me. And I believe that these two objections were anticipated by Jesus. And I believe we see that they're anticipated by Jesus because of the things that he says beforehand and afterwards. Because I think he understood the way that we would respond. And so in the way that he both set up and concluded the command, I believe what he does for us is kind of just kind of very naturally kind of give his response to our initial objections to this. And the first one, and I think this is probably the most common one, he said, hey, this is what your mission in life is to go take what God has given you to tell other people about it, to help other people know Jesus. This is your mission, to help people know Jesus and to know Him better. Your strongest, probably first objective is, "I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to. No, thank you. I, like I, 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 choose the opt-out button. Like I'm, 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 I'm out on this. No, no, thank you. Um, I, I don't want to. Honestly, i I've got my, I've got my own mission." I've kind of determined for myself kind of what my life needs to be about. And honestly, I've not come here today really to, to, to get a new mission, to get a new life direction. I've come here for you to give me the best spiritual advice or personal advice that you can in order for me to kind of do the thing that I want to do better. And, and first of all, I, I think too often we think of it in terms of well, what this means is, is that you're going to have to completely change everything. You're going to, have to, you're going to have to move to a different place. You're going to have to give up your job. You're going to have to do all these different things. And I think it's important for us to understand kind of the, the, the way the language of this specific command was given. The way it's written in English is it says that you're supposed to, two different things. You're supposed to go and you're supposed to make disciples. But the reality of kind of the, the, the language in which it was, is the, the Greek of this Essentially, what it's saying is, going, go make make disciples, and so it has this kind of while you are going, while you're doing what you do, while you're going, make disciples, and we're always going. You know, I mean, you you you're at home. It's like we're going to go to church. And you're going to go from here to go somewhere. And then you're going to go to work. And you're going to go to school. You're going to go out to eat. You're going to go walk around the neighborhood. You're going to go meet up with some friends. You're going to go and do a lot of things. And while you're going, in your going, you need to make this your mission. And again, a lot of us think, man, I've already got one. I've already got a mission. And again, in a a group this size, we probably all feel like, we, you know, have different levels of certainty about who we're supposed to be, and probably different levels of experience about how well it's going. I'm pretty sure this is who I'm supposed to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm not doing that great. Or maybe some of us, you feel like, no, man, I'm actually, I know who I'm supposed to be, and I feel like my life's going great. Regardless, Jesus is trying to reorient your mission, He's trying to get you to think about it differently. To think about who you are in these different terms. And his answer to this is in the, in the very first thing in verse 18. The first thing he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So your objection number one is I don't want to. But what he says is, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The answer is Jesus is in charge. Now that may seem like, I mean, it's like, so he just kind of starts off, hey, one last thing to say. Hey, guys, all authority in this world and in heaven, all authority has been given to me. Now that may just kind of seem like a, like a flex. Like he's just kind of like, hey, man, guess what? Guess what? I don't know if you know, I was, I was dead for a while. I, kind of, I, was, I was in heaven and I've come back. I know you know God the Father, and I think you're starting to understand a little bit more me that I'm also God. But I was talking with the Father the other day, and guess what? He decided, we decided together that both heaven and earth, no matter where he is, I'm totally in charge. It's not just a flex. It is is setting the whole thing up. You need to make sure you understand who's talking here. The designer and creator of the universe has said... This is what you are supposed to be about, and again, we've talked about this in previous, in previous weeks of this. Even with the the come follow me, when when God makes a commandment, one you don't really have the opt out button. Well, I mean, I don't really have to do that. It was only God that said it. Like, you know, I have this other authority to appeal to. Well, we'll see. We'll see what the real authority. This is this is this is the God of the universe. Because otherwise, like what are y'all doing here? Like, like if, it's kinda, if we're kind of here, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you what Jesus says. I'm going to tell you what God says. And we're all sitting here at least trying to understand what God wants. I'm going to be like, this is what God says. And you'd be like, ah, nah. Like, we're here, right? This is why we're here. We're here to see what God has to say about life. And what he says about life is, this is what your life is supposed to be about. But it's not just simply that. It's not just simply this authority. It's not just this have to. When the designer God of the universe says, this is what life is, and you recognize that this God loves you and wants your best and wants to experience the best life with you and for you, and he says, this is what life is about. This is where life is. You listen, not just simply because you have to, but because this is the greatest authority there is in the world about life and so even if you're living at this level where you feel like I know who I am and I feel good about my life there is another level of life of purpose that we can be experiencing but I think that for a lot of us we're not living at this level we feel the uncertainty that there's something there's something different there's something that should something's off I've been coming to church and I don't know if church is kind of just seems routine or like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like, what is even the point of some of this? I don't understand. And she's like, here's the point. The point is this thing all along. It's not just about me learning. It was always meant to be. I learn and God changes me and I pass it along. And I think for a lot of us to really embrace this idea that we have a mission a purpose with God, that he has called us to take what we have given, we've been given the good things, the blessings, the understanding, the learning, to take everything that he has given us, and it is my job to pass it on. I think this can give us a renewed sense of purpose about really what all of it's supposed to be. I mean, I honestly believe that some of the most satisfied people who are experiencing the life that God has called us to are the ones who are spending their time most weeks with Grove kids. Because that's part of what this is. I'm going to take what God has given me, and I'm going to pass it on. But I say that, and I think the second objection just kind of pops up naturally. The first one, I mean, it's kind of like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I think we all understand, at least those of us being at church today, that I don't want to, is really not gonna be a successful objection, right? God says this, I don't want to. Like, he wins, he's God, right? The second one I think makes a little bit more sense when you say, like, that just feels overwhelming. The objection, like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't. That's, that's not me. I'm not talented enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not godly enough, I, I'm not super, I'm regular. And honestly, I think that's actually a a great one because you're in fact, you're right. Which again is a throwback all the way to the beginning when Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Their experience was that they said, I'm just going to choose to follow him and I'm going to watch what Jesus does in me. And the reality, and and now the expectation is, okay, I want you then to encourage other people to follow me and watch what I will do in them. Jesus is the one who is always making. And his answer to that objection, verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The answer is he's going to be with you. Even though he's not physically present with the disciples anymore, where he, he is there and they can experience by being with him that he is remaking them. Even though I'm not going to physically be there, I will always be there. And the same thing that I was doing with you, you're going to see me do it in them. Because if you feel like that you can't, I want you to know I agree because I can't either. There isn't anything that I can do. The things that really matter, to take a heart that is hostile towards God, and make it soft towards God. There's nothing I can do about that. To to the the sin that is overwhelming your life, that is that is that is, that is dominating you, is destroying you from the inside out, is killing you. All these things. There's nothing I can do about that. I can't I can't help you with that. Now a couple of minutes ago I said, if you're not willing to listen to a, God's commands what are you doing here now I'm sitting here saying there's nothing I can do to help you and you got to be thinking and hey, bro what are you doing here like, this is what you do no the changing of a heart the bringing a, a, a dead person a spiritually dead person to life bringing dead things to life healing the sick changing a heart these are things only god can do and so, I have my part to play. I, I, I work, I study, I, I put, the, put notes together, I put a message together, and I try to communicate it in a way that you'll understand. But the work is what God's going to do. And that's no different than any of us. There is something that God has taught you, He's shown you. There's some things you've experienced, and, and, and you need to pass those things on. I wanna help somebody else understand who Jesus is. I want somebody else to experience that forgiveness. I want somebody else to experience that life. So I'm gonna take what I have, I'm gonna give it to somebody else. We can all do this. And you think, man, I I probably need to learn a lot more before I would be able to do it. that's right, you probably do need to learn a lot more. I probably need to learn a lot more. I need to grow, I need to become more mature. Yeah, you probably do, So do so do I. Yes, yes, all of those things are true. But there's never some point in which now you are spiritual enough, smart enough, good enough to be able to make a difference in the lives of people. That's something that Jesus has said he will do. But even if you only know one thing, even if you only experience God one way, you can tell someone about that. Because it was always meant to be this way. We're supposed to take the things that God has given us and give them away. Whether it's my my financial resources, my time, my learning, my experience, my understanding. Every good thing that God has given me, I'm supposed to give away. And this has been this way from Genesis. I'm going to bless you so that you can bless others. Cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, all throughout the scriptures, God has made it clear this is who we're supposed to be. I'm supposed to take the blessings, the learning, the understanding, the things that God has given me and give them away. Not only are we bringing this series to a close, but we're setting up another one that we're starting next week. A You Belong series where we're going to spend some time talking about specifically what is it that God has called this church to do this church to be, how we can take this mission that God has given all of us individually and collectively as a body, how we can take that and be who God has called us to be, not just in this hour, but in all of the hours out there in all of our lives to be who God has called us to be, to live out this mission that not only has he just given to all of us generally, but to each one of us specifically. Let me pray.